Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, everybody? January 31st edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. As always, a extreme honor and pleasure to be joined by Elias Theodora, who's officially, I guess, renamed this podcast to hashtag the main event. <laughs> yes, I have. Well, I mean, per plus main event to be specific. Hey, listen, if per plus uh, can throw some money our way, right? I know they're throwing it your way, but hey, you know, I'm not exactly their number one type of client, but hey, I got at some hair, bro. Yes, you do. And uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, fun fact is because of the actual uh, nutrients and all that jazz that's in there, um, in many ways, it actually acts as an antifungal. So it's not only great two in one action with the hair, it also will help you in regards to post training funk. You are the spokesperson of spokespersons. That's amazing. Good job, buddy. No worries. All right, listen, you've been uh, traveling around. I, I like to kid sometimes when we're on social media uh, that, you know, our Tuesdays are, uh, you know, you and I do this podcast. But at the same time, I legit don't know where you are unless I text you and say, hey, man, are you around? Like, what's going on? I know we're supposed to do it. Three o'clock Eastern. Are you around? You always say yes, but legit, I don't know where you are. Where are you right now? I'm in my Montreal lair. So this is uh, the little bedroom, pla- uh, what's called two bedroom place that I got here. Um, it's a good, it's a great place to uh, you know, hang my hat when I'm training here. Um, I have a bunch of coaches and stuff to come in. So uh, I, I basically, moving forward, uh, coaches back home, like someone like Lachlan, Chad Pearson, uh, and also my all my training partners, uh, they are more. They always know that they have a, uh, an open door here. So after camp, I think a bunch of people are going to come in and, uh, you know, do some training, kick in some ass, all in Montreal as well. So you have two locations, basically two residents now, one in Toronto, one in Montreal, correct? This is true. Uh, and, of course, our boy, George St. Pierre, has one in Montreal, I believe in Manhattan, I believe in Monte Carlo, I believe well, wherever he wants. Yes, yes. Well, when you have that kind of money. That's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm renting here. The other place, uh, what's it called? Not so much, but here I'm definitely renting. <laughs> awesome. Um, over the weekend, you did hard knocks fighting. Am I correct? That I did. How was that? It was great. Um, 
What I really love about Hard Knocks is their commitment to actual amateur MMA. I think um, if you're building up stars from the beginning and you're seeing people progress not only as um, talent and in the cage, but physically they're who they are. Um, I actually had a little pep talk in regards to um, you know post weigh-ins and stuff like that, talking about how all the hard stuff's over. Um, it kind of gave them my kind of story in the sense that I came from Hard Knocks. That's where I had my first two fights. And in many ways, I was set up to be a stepping stone for a local uh, local fighter. And uh, I proved him wrong. And the story they say uh, from then on is, uh, as you say, history. But uh, one of the things I stress, we already talked about it, but I was saying from there, I have the best hair in MMA. And uh, you keep on saying it. You keep on building that brand. And uh, again, it, it came full intuition in regards to Per Plus. Uh, we're going to have an official rollout um, Thursday, uh, which is two and one. And again, per plus being the official two and one conditioner and shampoo. Uh, what's it called? Your main event right here has a lot of fun stuff coming. But the important thing uh, to kind of say is everyone in many ways, um, especially with the amateur, like I talked about, uh, even the pros that have a couple of fights, uh, I think the, the important thing is you need to set not only who you are as a fighter, but who you are uh, in regards to your narrative and what you're selling, because that's the truth. Um, we watch fights in general because of the narration, the the story. We pick sides in regards to the team. That's what competition is all about. It was designed for post-war, um, uh, post-war activities and the idea of having that competitive edge that we want, uh, being uh, what's it called, very territorial and tribal monkeys, um, that this is a less uh, deadly version of combat. Um, whether even not even talking about mixed martial arts, I'm talking about football, boxing, I'm talking about soccer, everything. It's my team, your team. And uh, in order for people to basically be Team Spartan, there's something that they have to buy and not even necessarily physically paying money, paying attention, paying their time. And if you can sell them from the very beginning uh, with something like Hard Knocks, like I said, who has a full commitment to amateur MMA. It's amazing. The amateur, the co-main event rather, was an amateur title about, and it was amazing. Two young bloods who are very early in their amateur career with roughly, I think, together they had maybe 10, 15 fights amateur together. Um, It was just amazing to see uh, them grow of what they were and now what they are. And it was it. And sorry to sorry. The cool thing with amateurs, they throw a little bit of the caution to the wind, and they just go for it sometimes. Yeah, but when you see that, you got to say, guys, guys, hey, hey, there's, yeah. there's there's time, there's time, relax, relax. Don't do it for free. Don't do it for free. <laughs> uh, when you give those types of pep talks, though, um, do you ever kind of scan the, the 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 guys, the fighters, the coaches, and look into their eyes, and you get those ones that are kind of like wide eyed, like, oh my god, this is awesome, and you get the other guys that are just kind of like, okay, dude, Elias, like you done talking or what? Yeah, no, for sure. And let's be fair. Some of them, they, they just wait in. They were like, come on, I want to eat. Shut up with your, uh, your um, what's it called, pep talk. Uh, you on your soapbox over here. I understand you're a UFC fighter, whatever, whatever, whatever. I got food. But at the same time, again, like you said, there's some people that are nodding because it's true. And in many ways, um, what we've talked about it before, the, the selling of the UFC to WME, um, it's a – it's no longer necessarily a sport. It's a content provider for better or worse, whether you're on that side or not. Um, even, even now uh, digressing to, uh, I know we're going to talk about it later, but the previous uh, UFC Denver, it did 
2 million views. That's a huge, important thing. Uh, and it shows that why free TV is probably where the UFC is going in regards to views and broadcasting. And they're probably going to up, like the rumors are saying, from $100 million a, a year for Fox to $400 million. So, again, uh, there, are, there are reasons and times they are changing. It just depends on whether you're a part of the boat or you're going to be left behind and trying to be a purist. Well, we talked about that last week, uh, Reed Kuhn and I, in terms of what could potentially be happening with the UFC deal south of the border, uh, where you and I uh, actually reside. Uh, but like you said, 2.02 million was what, what Shevchenko and Pena did. Uh, before that, I think it was 2.4 million with Shevchenko versus Holly Holm. Uh, and I spoke about that earlier today. I put together a piece, an article. I'm not sure if it's up on, on FightfulMMA.com just yet. Uh, but when I do get that out there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I will tweet it out there. I'll get, get it out there on social media. But free TV uh, to us is is technically important. But when you're saying that potentially the UFC can charge 100 million to 400 million, uh, that not charge suggest that that's what they're worth. Uh, that is absolutely fantastic for their brand, uh, especially considering the amount of money Zufa sold it for and what mm-hmm. W E W. MEI or JK, LK, Elias Theodoro, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the you know, new guys. The new guys uh, who are pretty smart guys. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're brilliant minds, especially with Ari Emanuel behind them or you know on top of that food chain. Uh, I, I do look at that, but I also think that no matter what, if pay-per-view is still around and they can capitalize on pay-per-view and make that kind of revenue, I don't think it's going anywhere, Elias. No, but, but again, um, I think it just switched. I don't think it goes anywhere. I just think the, you know – uh, the three times Conor McGregor fights, there's your whole pay-per-view. Boom. We would probably do more than anyone else. And why not throw the other one, uh, any other uh, fights on uh, Fox, right? I think the, the big sells, they're just going to pack. Because gone are the days in many ways. I, I, I see the, the, the casual fan that has come and gone where they're like, yeah, I remember, you know, T. And that's why, again, uh, not, to, not to get too sidetracked, but that's why something like Bellator um, with taking these names, these you know, they're, they're a little bit past their prime, but they are in many ways a name, a household name that people, have, you know, that maybe have stopped watching in the last three, four years, know who Tito Ortiz is, know who Chael Sonnen is. Um, they, for many reasons, will turn in because it's free, uh, even if it's background noise. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, justifying paying, um, you know, $64 for the high def on uh you know ufc brooklyn i think it's coming up i don't know if that's pay-per-view still is that pay-per-view still i don't believe it's pay-per-view okay i thought it was pay-per-view. i can double check i can double check um, either way but some of the pay-per-views that have you know come and gone or the idea that you know for, for better or worse like uh, i don't want to uh, keep hitting that one on that that's saying on the head but for better or worse someone like mighty mouse who is you know some, uh, who has been on the you know saving graces in regards to saving a, a card but no one actually pays attention to uh, not throwing him under the bus. But what I'm trying to say is like people don't spend, don't the casual fan that I'm hearing doesn't necessarily want to spend $64 for 15 events. They might be able to spend $64 for five events. If they're jam packed to the tits of just like great card uh, names and just hype. So I think the, the UFC is going to be more selective on how many pay-per-views they have. I don't think it's going to go away because, again, when Conor McGregor fights and it makes $1.6 million, uh, in regards to buys, that's a payday. You can do that three times a year. Wow. Uh, you can probably stack another card 
to get somewhere like that, like something like the Stipe card with, uh, you know, again, um, this is the last time I promise I say it, but for better or worse, you have um, uh, CM Punk on it, uh, who gets eight and a half, 100,000, or eight seventy-five um, thousand uh, pay-per-view buys. So content, people are willing to buy it, buy it if there's some kind of narrative going back to the same conversation. And whether it's CM Punk or Conor McGregor, uh, they want to be enthralled to purchase. And Slamenko versus Pena may do two million when it's on Fox, but I doubt it does a million when it is a pay-per-view. Yes, that's the point. And by the way, a UFC 2A card uh, appears to be a pay-per-view card Boom. in Brooklyn. Boom. Elias is right, <laughs> as always. All right, speaking of being right, wrong, incorrect, analysis, forecasting, looking into a crystal ball, let's go past, or let's go back and take a look at that Fox card uh, over the weekend. We'll get to your division momentarily, but Rafael Asuncao taking on Aljamain Sterling first was the one boat I was paying close attention to in the bantamweight division. Uh, I was expecting um, some more fireworks between these two here, not to say that Asuncao was overly cautious. People were saying he was cautious, and he and he does he did offer an apology to Sean Shelby in hopes saying, "Listen, I hope he doesn't upset with me." Uh, but also, you know, in Aljamain Sterling, we were expecting a bit more, despite that fight being a split decision either way. Uh, I don't know what this does to either gentleman uh, at 135 pounds. Well, a win's a win. Um, let's give Asuncao that. Uh, Again, uh, you're talking to someone who ne- didn't necessarily come off of his marquee fight in regards to Sam Alby, but I did outstrike him, uh, you know, 250 or whatever it is to 40. Uh, in some ways, you can, like, I've said it before, this is a dance. And if you don't have a willing dance partner, then um, it, it could be a one-sided thing. I, I think the fight was a very close one. I think Aljo uh, was very successful at keeping distance, and that's what Asenza was unable to you know, maybe pull the trigger in certain things. Um, Aljo, he's a buddy of mine, a good friend. Um, I, I think in many ways he is, um, you know, really good at that distance, but didn't maybe connect, didn't maybe commit um, in the closer range. I think there were certain times where he definitely, um, definitely had, you know, moments of brilliance, but I think it's much the same I think our styles are very similar in regards to unorthodox. We move a lot. Um, we, we focus on kicks. Uh, but I think he kind of fell in the same issue as I did, where I, when I lost my first fight, I was so concerned of making the same mistake as I did in the last one. Uh, an example, uh, holding uh, Tiago Santos against the cage, uh, and trying to get a takedown. But, you know, when you're sweaty and you're bleeding, and it's the first time you've ever been cut, uh, what's it called? You know, your mind's a little waste. And I was having a hair malfunction. So my <laughs> hair was coming out. So again, that, those are factors that actually play in a part of it. Like I may have lost my first and only fight because I had a hair malfunction. God damn it. <laughs> um, thank God we have per plus on the team now to get that shit right. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, shameless plug. But um, no, the point being, I think he was too concerned of making some of the same mistakes in regards to that he's fighting in Denver you got what? Five thousand, two thousand elevation. Uh, yeah, didn't oh, want to yeah. get tired. Yeah. Didn't want to get tired. He got tired in his first loss with uh, Brian Caraway. He, you know, pulled away on the first, and they kind of fizzled and kind of froze later on. So I think that's what it was. I think he was just trying not to make the same mistakes. He's trying not to make a mistake. But when you're too concerned 
I'm not doing something, it's very hard. Too concerned of doing defense and being technical and learning from something, you can't do. You can't act and you can't be offensive. I think that's what the difference with Aljo was. In terms of your division, Sam Alvey, a former opponent of yours, taking on Nate Marquardt, I was just surprised Nate decided not to take this fight down on the ground because when he did in the first round, uh, he took Sam's back and was doing pretty good. But you can't sit there and stand with Sam Alvey if you're Nate Marquardt with that MMA mileage on you. Uh, Sam does emerge victorious. He does get a unanimous decision, uh, 29-28. Uh, your thoughts on that fight there? Um, the technical fight, I, like you said, I think uh, Nate the Great uh, – in many ways, uh, had a great first round. <laughs> um, he was very successful pushing him against the cage. Uh, I think there could have been more elbows uh, just coming over on top. I think Sam, uh, he, he obviously has a, he's a puncher. He wants to stand tall, flat-footed, and get those shots off. I think um, Nate was successful, again, like you said, on the ground, on the cage. But everyone's got a plan when you get hit in the face. And I think he was watching Sam too much and possibly worrying about, you know, not getting knocked out rather than doing what he wanted to do next. I think in many ways it slipped out of his hands and it was his fight that he lost. Jason Knight and uh, Alex Caceres kicked off the main card. Jason Knight, I, the reason why I like this guy is because he has bad intentions in everything he does, even when he has your back. And he's got he's on his back. His back is on the canvas. Yeah. And he's still punching your ear with, with bad intentions. I mean, this guy here does not have a nice ounce of blood in him when he's competing. He has one goal, and that is to hurt you and hurt you bad. And he punished Alex Caceres, eventually getting that rear naked choke in the second round. I'm very impressed with Jason Knight, considering I leaned towards Alex Caceres uh, when I made my predictions in this fight. Yeah, and I, 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 uh, I will be right there with you in the sense of just based on um, – with Alex, he's um, you know he's a little, he's the veteran in, in comparison to his opponent. Uh, but like you said, uh, he in many ways has bad intentions, and he was going for him the whole time. And if you are the constant person going, and oh, it was it was actually something we talked about today in um, in training uh, because I've again my very awkward style. I have a go 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 mentality, especially at middleweight. Um, if I'm constantly doing and you're constantly thinking, you can't do. And it becomes this thing where you're watching your opponent. You're watching uh, the dance that's happening in front of you. And I think that's what happened with Sarah. Well, George, you know, husband, he's, he told me that from day one. I mean, if you can't keep up with my rhythm, your heartbeat is going to go to my heartbeat. You're in big trouble. Your cardio's toast. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're playing follow the leader. Right. Uh, speaking of follow the leader, the leader one time at heavyweight was Andre Orlovsky. Francis Ngannou, who is now the up-and-comer, this hungry lion, this monster, this beast. Monster. Monster. Let's call him a monster. <laughs> like, the guy is just – calling him the predator would be the understatement because that's his nickname. But like I said, when I first met him, and you know, to talk about a gentle giant that I could see okay. right through when I look in his eyes and I could see this guy will knock my head, would crush my face – uh, and I see the same thing. And when him and I were joking, we, uh, Kamara Usman and I did a um, uh, a pre-stand-up for Titan FC. I forgot what number it was, but it, the, ca- the little cage was behind us. He had a little, little setup. Uh, and Ngano was in there, and we were joking around afterwards. And I asked him, Elias, I said, let me see what your reach looks like. And I said, that can, that's like a kilometer long. Yeah. Oh, sorry, for you Americans, a, a mile long. For us Canadians, a kilometer. Uh, but well, I want to see. A kilometer point two. 
Yes. We're going to be technical here. Counterpoint (laughs) two. But the one thing he kept stressing to me is he said, Joe, and he would do this, right? I'll put it a little higher. He said, no matter what, no matter where you go, you can bob and weave all you want. Anytime you move, then I'll move this. So I'm doing this, and as soon as you decide to move it, it's either this or it's this. And I thought to myself, and every time he would do it, Elias, it wasn't like you're seeing on the screen. Your head. It's just your head. It's like this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And your we head. stopped doing just it with your face. Just covering my face. Yeah. So the one thing I noticed in that fight there is something that I noticed guys like Anderson Silva do is they're patient, they're cerebral, but then they get the bounce. They get the bounce. And that's when you know the gear is about to get switched. Mm-hmm. And Francis had the bounce. And before you know it, lights out, Timing. Andre Orlovsky. Yeah. Timing. Um, Andre, obviously, this is now, I think, 0 4. Uh, he he in many ways had a beautiful run, a Cinderella story getting back into the UFC. But um, again, the I don't remember how big, I mean, um, how old Francis is. Um, but I think it, it's 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 in many ways long overdue, to be completely honest, in regards to the middleweights. But I think they're they're eventually becoming a transition in regards to age. It's the oldest weight class out there. It many a couple of these. George Foreman-esque age bracket individuals that have had their time. Yeah, uh, you're right. Orlovsky's 37 and Francis yeah. is 30. Yeah, exactly. Like, just in that difference. And then you have Stipe Miocic, the champ. Um, he obviously is younger as well. I think he's 30, 31. So you have a couple of these young guns who are, again, um, new and still have to test themselves. I, I'm not taking no slouch against or no uh, slight against Orlovsky, but he was already 0-3, whatever – he may have been like, you know, top seven or whatever the number he is or four. But that's more of a case of um, – anyone can call into the question of the rankings in general. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, sure. let's, not get, let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. But the point, the point being um, – the point being the fact that some of these people are brand name, right? So you have Arlovsky who is a name, who was a former champion that is in built into the, the ranking system and why he lies where he is. Um, but – uh, it, again, it's. I'm not going to tell any fighter to not um, fight. I, I think in many ways he needs to, um, you know, figure out what's his path is. I think normally anyone with an 0-4 record would probably get cut, but because of you know heavyweights, uh, he might have one more in there, um, or he might be perfect for the. Uh, you know, the restarting of the Bellator heavyweight bracket. So, uh, <laughs> Ryzen. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Mm, ah, options. See, times are changing. It's always beautiful when you have options. All right. Um, Donald Cerrone, co-main event against Jorge Masvidal. The one thing Reed Kuhn said on this podcast on Friday is that Cerrone took this fight on too short of a notice. His body hasn't healed yet. He got dropped in that Matt Brown fight. Uh, he doesn't believe he should have competed. But then you've got Dana White saying, look, man, we can't stop Donald. Donald just wants to fight. He continues to want to compete. Uh, you know, uh, What do we do? Now, in my opinion, you've got to protect the fighter that wants to continue to compete because, you know, Faraz Zahabi said it many times, that electrical system has to calm down, has to relax, has to reset itself. But there are guys like Donald Cerrone who can't stop. They just need to compete. They need to fight. And unfortunately, uh, he was on the wrong end of a combination at the end of first round where Masvidal finished him. Uh, Herb Dean stopped the fight. That 
the, the blow horn went off or the air horn went off uh, and they allowed Matt or, or Cerrone to continue. I think that doctor should have done a bit more to see if Cerrone could have continued. And Cerrone did a fantastic job convincing the doctor uh, right before round two started that he was fine. But lo and behold, Masvidal did what Masvidal does best. Uh, I'm very impressed with Jorge. No, um, I would agree. Uh yeah, uh, there's many different aspects. Obviously, everyone loves, and that's that's Cowboy. That's Cowboy's story. I'll take a fight anywhere, anytime. Uh, yes, he was asking for the fight, but it, it takes them to find a fight. It takes them to, you know, uh, also their product's best interest. If we're going to, like, you said fighter. I said pro, pro, I say product. Wouldn't it be better if Cerrone fought three times healthy? Right. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better if that was the case? Um Imagine what he could do, um, especially now on that run. Um, and we look at – I don't want to jinx it, but, like, look at – we talked about someone who went on a run, Alaski, and then it was one loss, and then it turned into a different situation. I don't think necessarily that's going to happen with Cowboy, but I think that does set up the potential. Momentum, confidence, a, a, a title run, all those things are – it's temporary. Everyone loses, unless to John Jones. But – um, well, and then even him, the only, person to beat, <laughs> the only person to beat John Jones is John, John Jones. Jones. Yeah. Um, no, but the point being is I think that, um, yeah, it's a temporary thing and you gotta, you gotta be smart about it. I, at the same time, that's what still makes cowboy cowboy. So maybe he learned from this. Maybe he will only fight, you know, 17 times a year instead of a thousand. So, uh, I don't know. It's a lot, not a loss. It's a learning lesson. It might also send him back to light heavyweight because he fought a real uh, one seven year. Um, and again, no slight against Matt Brown, but he was also on an zero and three um, stint. But he's always dangerous. Um, but if you find fight someone like Woodley, that guy can bang. Right, a, a lot of it. A lot of power a lot, there. Yep, a lot of power. And there's a difference, you know, uh, a Waller. Like who knows what a like a, a Waller in the right mindset could have done two cowboy. So, I don't know. It's his, it's his destiny. Yeah. Masvidal has uh, a couple of – a couple, more than a couple of um, options in front of him right now. Uh, you know, there's that Damian Maya fight. Uh, he wants Diaz, but Diaz is uh, – I don't know why. I'd, I'd love to see him fight Nate or Nick Diaz, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, but, you know, he's got options. Uh, we'll see where he goes from there. But you talk about momentum. You talk about going on a title run. You had two ladies basically finally meet up in Juliana Pena and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I said it yesterday. I'm kicking myself big time because when I do my article on FightfulMMA.com on Fridays, it's generally what's called a fun bets article where I take a look at the various odds uh, for the big matchups on certain UFC cards. Uh, and I go more than just simply pick this person to win or that person to win. I go a little deeper and just simply say, you know what? Take this person potentially by TKO or KO or this one by submission. Uh, and I didn't even give Valentina Shevchenko the option to win this fight by submission because styles make fights. And this one just appeared to be a style of a striker in Shevchenko versus more of a grappler, ground and pound submission fighter in Juliana Pena. And Shevchenko pulling off that submission not only had me just jumping off my couch and going, wow. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. 
Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That was fantastic, but damn, I missed that one. What was I thinking? Our bar nation. I guess it's too soon to, re- to rebrand that for someone. Right? <laughs> Is it too bad? No. Um, yeah. Uh, same ways. I, I, I styles make fights. One would assume, but I uh, Shevchenko, 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 Shevchenko. There you go. <laughs> uh, she is also, uh, I believe, a black belt in judo. So her understanding of the hips is very, very obvious. Um, but would you have asked, like again? You asked me the same thing. I would have said hell no. But she's such a physical individual. Uh, and Pena, Pena, in many ways. Uh, she's very aggressive, very forward, but you do fall into traps in that way, and that's exactly what happened. What was better, Shevchenko's dance afterwards ah. or Bren Rothwell's dance after he wins? Uh, definitely not Bren. Bren. <laughs> definitely not him. No, uh, Shevchenko. Yep. They're both epic. Come on. For all the wrong reasons on my <laughs> Um, you got to give Shevchenko credit because, and the UFC credit. Give yep. the UFC credit for flying Amanda Nunes out to Denver because I was with, or Amanda Nunes was in the arena when Titan FC was going on when I was calling those belts, and she owned uh, that venue, the Watsko Center uh, at the University of Miami. Whenever there weren't fights going on, she owned that place. People wanted pictures and autographs, and she was just anyone that wanted anything. Uh, her and Nina were walking around taking all these pictures, but kudos to the UFC for flying uh, both, and Nina, Nina Ansaroff and uh, Amanda Nunes over to Denver uh, to take a look and get into the cage and, and you know talk about the winner here. Uh, Valentina, kudos to her for going face-to-face with a former opponent and now current champion in Amanda Nunes, discussing what potentially can happen. And, dude, I am looking forward to this fight. I want to see this rematch big time. For sure. Um, definitely. Uh, it, it sets up the rematch. They fought before. Um, it's a great fight. Uh Kudos to the UFC for, you know, promoting their champion. Kudos. Oh, yeah, kudos, yeah. kudos to the UFC for ch- promoting their champion um, and setting up a fight. Uh, I think, obviously, Amanda Nunes, she, she she has everything to be – she has all the qualities um, to be a star. She's a destroyer. She is a trailblazer in regards to the MMA community in the sense of being the first openly gay champion – which I want to get. I want to talk about that in a second, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. but um, in many ways, she is uh, has all the pa- all the rights, like all the opportunity and traits to be like a Mike Tyson of MMA. Um, we we were talking. To, I know everyone was hyped up with Ronda and calling her the Mike Tyson, but this is someone as well that has the opportunity for that aspect. And uh, she is a destroyer with the hands. She um, has a lot of fight in her. Um, uh, a lot of fight in her, and she has a huge market. Brazil, 
Yeah, Brazil. Okay, number one. So the, one of the things that I spoke about in the article that I wrote, uh, I specifically touched on Amanda Nunes, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, and Ronda Rousey. Now, you mentioned Amanda Nunes uh, and the fact that, you know, she, she's an openly gay, the first openly gay champion. Um, and I think it's a fantastic angle for the UFC, for Amanda uh, in general to perhaps – I, I'm trying to find the right wording, but not to partner up with the lesbian, gay, and and, and or not? Community. Yes, for sure, right? For sure, but the- with the amount of, I guess you could say, stereotypes and hate that that community gets, you have mm-hmm. someone that is a champion right now, and that could showcase. Look, no matter what, no matter what people say about you, no matter how bad society looks down upon you, you can become a champion. She, I think, she's the perfect example or powerful. Uh, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, just just a perfect example to stand up and say, "Look at what we can do." Uh, I, dude, man, she's the biggest sweetheart ever, yeah. but she's a badass. Yeah, man. exactly, exactly. And again, she's doing her own style. She has like the the mullet. She's in many ways embracing her. She's embracing her truth, and her truth is also a violent one. when it comes to the cage, so there's the best of both worlds. And in many ways, in regards to, um, you know, I I, I know that. You know, we have luxuries in regards to Canada where the LGBTQ community um, are very, you know, are very welcomed, are very, like, you know, they have a place in our society. Not everyone in the world, they do. Um, and uh, not on a slight in Brazil, but I think in many ways, uh, some of the attitudes sometimes there uh, can be uh, a little bravado uh, in regards to it. And I think having a female champion like this um in many ways uh is a huge opportunity to push that and to to break down walls and break down barriers on what a the first openly gay champion in mixed martial arts means and how she can be dare we say a actual icon like some her predecessors someone who she beat she can become an icon for a generation in regards to you know all the different markets that she touches and what she represents I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I think that's a, a perfect opportunity for the UFC and Amanda uh, to get on board uh, with the LGBTQ community. And I think it'd be absolutely fantastic uh, to get, you know, there, there's a demographic there that, you know, we may or may not know that loves mixed martial arts. They may hate mixed martial arts, but they may now have someone because that's what MMA is all about. Earlier on in the days when I first got, and you know this, when I first got UFC Central, we, we put UFC Central on the air. My pitch to Sportsnet wasn't just the fact that, hey, we can recap events, we can preview events every single fighter has a story and i can get in front of every fighter i can get the help from the ufc i can get in front of these fighters and get their story out there that way the mainstream public can associate themselves hey Mm -hmm. that guy's a former mechanic that girl's a former accountant that guy's a lawyer just passed his bar exam Uh, that person or blah 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 once you can relate to a fighter and of course, you can obviously sell a fight saying, which one do you like, A or B, and hate, love, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways. Amanda Nunes' story, and, and this is why, you know, and, and I, I hate to, to, you know, pat myself on the back, and I can't stand the fact that I don't have the TV show anymore, because there's an example of what I would do if I still had the opportunity, uh, I, and I'm in Miami all the time. Yeah. Right? I'm, in, I'm at American Top Team. I'm right there. I would sit her down, and I would get people from our community in our areas uh, and down there and just get a feature going, get it, just help build her up. If the UFC doesn't want to do it, I would love to jump on board and do it. But there's only so much I can do now in my residence uh, and in your residence over there uh, in Montreal. But I think it's, it's, it's not a wasted opportunity, but a fantastic opportunity for the UFC to do this. The, on the flip side of that, Elias, mm-hmm. uh, I've always been, and you know, I'm a huge proponent uh, of patriotism 
nationalism, I guess you could say. Uh, obviously, being of Italian heritage, the World Cup to me is absolutely fantastic. And when the mm-hmm. FIFA World Cup comes around, uh, you know, it's 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 not that Canada doesn't qualify for the World Cup. All of a sudden. I've got my Italian flag. Yep. Uh, my friends have their Greek flags and their their Spaniard or their Spain flags or what Brazil flags. All my Brazilian friends with jiu-jitsu. Hop Holland. Yes, Holland. Hop Holland. It's just – and it's the Olympics as well. So patriotism and nationalism, in my opinion, is a fantastic Tribalism? avenue. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, and what I'm saying with Valentina Shevchenko is, you know, you've got someone that they could ride that wave with as For sure. well and get into that community. Uh, your thoughts on, on items of that nature? No, for sure. Uh, that, that's what I was going back into. Uh, competition in general is to um, satisfy the um, is made, designed to satisfy the the competition slash uh, competitive aspect slash primal slash tribal um, things that are inherent in us. When we were uh, in more nomadic tribes, if someone looked a little different. Uh, it was uh, because they were from a different tribe. So that's where the, the, the type, the type of, you know, difference that kind of, you know, is magnitude, um, magnitude, uh, sorry, in magnitude in regards to our, our obviously countries and how we're all different, but we can embrace that in a healthy form of competition. Um, and I think that's a much uh, obviously more productive way where it's, it's in a friendly nature and the idea of, you know, um, whether you said soccer or football depending on where you call it from um or if it's actually a football game in the nfl or cfl depending on where you're watching and where you're probably it, it can be a healthy thing and there's nothing wrong with a competitive um nature i i think uh storylines are very evident in every single fighter like you said and i think uh the benefit of having something like wme is they are good at storytelling so hopefully they as they continue to move forward, they start doing the right things. And as evident in the post-fight um, of UFC Den- Denver, um, obviously they set up a main event. They set up a championship bout. In that division, the original queen uh, was Ronda Rousey. Dana White recently came out and said he thinks that she is pretty much done. I respectfully disagree, not to the fact that maybe she is done. I just – the competitor in her, I believe, will have at least one more run within her. Uh, I don't think she wants to go out the way she did in mixed martial arts. I think she wants to have at least – she wants to go out on top, in my opinion. And the opportunity – I think first would need to come from a change in camp. We've heard that a thousand times. Uh, change of camp. and, and, and Pit her against somebody, uh, or match her up against somebody that is that is more of a contender in that in that fact that she's she's lost two, she's been knocked out twice. Give her someone that's more fair. Uh, I don't even look at the rankings. Be fair about it. Uh, you know, your thoughts is Ronda Rousey done? And if not, if if so, why? And if not, why? She's done. She was done when she walked in the cage the last time. She didn't want to do any of the media stuff. She had no heart in it. Um, whether your body was physically there, your mind isn't. Um, she got, we will never know the ride that she was on for those two, three years. Uh, Believing that you're untouchable, believing you are this unstoppable creation, unstoppable, whether it's in Hollywood, whether it's, um, in, in the sport that you're in, the, the, the leaps and bounds you do in other sports, the, you know, the once in a generation athlete icon, whatever the heck you want to call it, whatever they were hyping it up. And then not. And now she's human. And now she has two brutal knockouts. And she also made 62,000 US uh, a second, 3 million plus 
pay-per-views and sponsorships. She has money, and her mom has even said, hey, sweetie, don't do that. Only stupid people punch each other in the head. You have a lot of money. Go do other things. So I see her at the Keystone Pipeline now. Um, I think, honestly, her best bet would probably be to make a you know another uh, tell-all book and talk about her uh, you know coping of life being post-champion and uh, the ride that she was on, the highs, the lows, and the new life in between. I think she can better... I think the best thing about her would be talking about her experience and talking about the pros and cons, whether it's been, um, you know, depression, her, her own story with her father's passing and why that is such a, again, she went on Ellen and the only media she did was essentially crying on Ellen. Um, and I'm not taking a slight on her. It's again, she did not have her heart in it. I don't think she went in there and wanted to do it. It, it wasn't this great. Like, again, if, we were sold. Shit, fear the return. It's this whole thing. It's this marketing push. No, she was scared shitless to be in there. She didn't want to be in there. You saw that with the first punch in the face. Um, we hear that in the stories of her sparring partners alleging that she wasn't allowed getting hit. Um, that everyone had to send, uh, you know, non-disclosures. And if you were to tell anyone about what happened in sparring uh, before or after, you you would get sued. That doesn't sound like someone that is open. That doesn't sound, again, I can only relate it to my first loss. And again, mind you, I didn't fall from such a high grace and I didn't have the the high highs, but I was still on many, the same run. We both went 12 and 0. And sure, I didn't get knocked out in a foreign country uh, and had to stay there because I was so injured that I couldn't leave. But I, I, you know, still, it was the first time I've ever been to Vegas and it sucked. <laughs> um, but uh, the, per, the, the, the point being, she's done. I 100% disagree. I think if she does come back, it's a big mistake. Um, unless she changes both, like you said, her camp and her outlook. Um, I don't think she wants to be there. I think that you hear someone as a friend in Dana White saying what she's saying. Interesting. Uh, for the moment. January 31st, 3.42 p.m. I respectfully disagree, but we will see. We will uh, see. We I have will, evidence. Yeah, we do. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch on this. Now, speaking of um, respectfully disagreeing, I think Conor McGregor uh, and Dana White are respectfully disagreeing with what each Ooh. other are trying to say, what they're trying to do. Conor McGregor counter-programming the UFC with his own little $5 pay-per-view uh, per, per viewer uh, and just went out there just for people to watch him talk. Um, I, I said it before. I've said it for a while. Uh, Conor McGregor is going to be a thorn in their side. He's going to be a headache for them. Uh, unless something happens where there's some sort of agreement, Conor McGregor is not going to give a, you know, pardon the pun, rat's ass about what the UFC has to say because he's got money now. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if some way, somehow, he gets behind uh, this fighter's association uh, and goes against what the UFC is doing. Um, your thoughts on Conor McGregor continuing to stir that pot with the UFC? You built this monster. Now it's come to roost. Um, in many ways, this is what they feared and why they never wanted someone being bigger than the UFC. This is exactly what their fear was. This is why... Um, they don't have the boxing, um, building up stars in regards to you fight in a tomato can and you become a prospect and you have the te- the 12, 13, 14, 15, 20 uh, uh, NO record and then you become a name, a household name and you start developing. No, they it's a meat grinder and uh, we're very, uh, in some ways, expendable <laughs> for better or in reality, rather. I'm going to stop saying better and worse. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, I think 
uh, all with Ronda's falling and Connor being who he is, he has all the chips. He has all the options. And whether it's them running off to, I don't know, uh, Japan and fighting this one off in a different market or going to Europe or going somewhere and then doing boxing. And Connor believes that now being a, having his boxer's license, he may have fall under the Muhammad Ali act and what those benefits have. Um, I think, uh, I think in many ways uh, you could see something, I could totally see them running off to a different jurisdiction, jurisdiction and um, basically having a Floyd versus what's his face. Uh, and then just pay the fine, whatever it is. So we make a million, make a hundred million dollars each, and then oh, sorry, UFC, there's ten million dollars in regards to the fines and whatnot. You still there? I can't quite hear you. Oh, I, was, you I was just saying, oh, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. I can see McGregor. that again. He has all yeah. the chips. He has all the chips. But well, you're bang on because originally, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, uh, John Jones, George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre. And Lesnar. And Lesnar, if we want to take it, we can take another one out. That's, there's another one. Lesnar gone. gone. GSP gone. John Jones, not probably Which figure are you going to finish off on? Which figure are you going to finish off on, sir? Uh, and, of course, <laughs> what we have left is Conor McGregor. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he's got, you're right. He's got everything. He's got all the chips. It could get interesting in 2017, but it remains to be seen. All right. So uh, we, we, yeah. We, uh, we, we don't have much time left, but I, I do want to cover uh, this UFC Houston card. Uh, there are some intriguing bouts on there. Well, I mean, one of them that is kicking off the Fox prelim card. Uh, that's the only fight that we'll talk about in this prelim card. Um, many people saying it belongs on the pay-per-view. Uh, or sorry, it belongs in the main card, uh, or it belongs as quote unquote the main event for the Fox card. I'm okay where it is. Uh, I would like to see it higher, but I understand why they want to kick off this television broadcast uh, with a bang because Tisha Torres and Beck Rawlings, in my opinion, is going to be a fantastic fight. I, and I'm, if anyone's going to play it safe, sometimes you look at Tisha Torres. I think Beck Rawlings has to just go for caution in the wind and just put a hurting on Tisha Torres. Yes, I, I think she also has to put um, put in place the same things that she had that were successful against um, Paige Van Zandt. She had great timing, great pressure, and then at the same time, to kind of disagree with you, she needs to put throw some caution. She needs to have some caution because she obviously shows that she can be opened up on. Um, I think someone like uh, Tisha Torres, yes, she might go for more uh, off the top of my head, uh, play it safe and trying to get the points ahead of her. But I think there there will be potential openings in regards to what you saw in the last fight. So I I, I, have no, I talked to Beck after that fight. Uh, I was in Vancouver um, as a guest fighter. Uh, so uh, she she knows she made a mistake. And again, it's not about your loss. It's not a necessarily a true loss unless you've learned from uh, If you've learned from it, rather. So if she's learned from her mistakes, um, I, I have full confidence in her ability to be a to be, yes, one part of a great fight, but also come off victorious. And then on the main card, kicking off that one, is also uh, a women's bout in Jessica Andrade against against Angela Hill. Angela Hill obviously coming back to the UFC after her stint uh, in Invicta. I like this scrap as well, uh, and I know a lot of people are leaning toward uh, Jessica in this fight, uh, not giving Angela much of an opportunity to win here. Well, uh, yes, I understand that, but overkill team right here. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Of Angela, uh, what's it called? I love what she does on Twitter. She's hilarious as hell. So I'm biased as hell. 
But and so um, am I because she gives me so much love whenever I do the Rising show. She's actually mm-hmm. pro-Canadian and the pro-Canadian accent. So thank you very much, Angela. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't she be? It's what every broadcaster tries to emulate. A individual from uh, what's it called, Ontario, uh, specifically Ottawa. Uh, that's one of the go-tos in regards to all of anchors. Uh, I know CNN. They they really try to emulate the um, the Ottawa accent, but I digress. Um, no, she she was champion in Invicta. I think she she has won and learned from those mistakes that she had. Uh, it she. I'm a little confused because um, obviously she was the champ, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity for her to get back in there and be in the main stage. So um, all the power to her and I'll be rooting for her. Uh, we'll jump ahead from the heavyweight fight to the light heavyweight bout in uh, OSP. Ovin St. Prue taking on Vulcan Ozdemir, who was supposed to compete in the co-main event for Titan's last show, but thankfully uh, Titan did let him go. Uh, it's, it is short notice taking on a guy in OSP. It's about two weeks notice, uh, but we all know who OSP is. Most people don't know who Vulcan is. And this is a guy that's very, very highly touted. But now he's in the big show. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Well, it's all up to, again, success is the mixture of readiness and preparedness. Preparedness? I made mean, a word. But uh, the point being, if you're prepared and, you're, and you have the opportunity, those are the two combinations of what success is all created from. So if he... If he uses this opportunity, it's his for the taking. At the same time, he's going up against a tough vet um, who is very much game, is unorthodox, and can finish at any moment. Um, He is coming off of a knockout loss, so there is that mental aspect. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, Speaking of potentially coming off knockout losses, uh, there will be violence at 155 pounds when Abe Trujillo takes on James Vick. Uh, I know James will be as technical as possible to avoid what Abe brings to the octagon, but there's going to be violence in this fight, in my opinion. Let there be violence. Huge fan. Huge fan. I'm excited just as a fight fan. This one here, I mean, I think it's going to go the full 15 minutes. People are saying, no, it's going to end fairly early. I think it's going to go the full 15. Well, we will find out soon enough. There you go. Co-main event, Alexa Grasso taking on uh, Felice Herrig. This one I like for a variety of reasons, but I'm leaning towards Alexa in this scrap here. No, I can understand. Both uh, both fighters are very game. I've, I've liked what uh, Felice has been doing uh, since her you know long duration. I think she's been able to mentally get herself uh, in the right place. And uh, uh, again, uh, a very good potential of pulling up a, a crazy, you know, standing choke of some sort so she's game i i think there's a huge opportunity in felice as well and speaking of opportunity the korean zombie is back he gets the has the opportunity to rejig his mixed martial arts career he's been gone for two to three years uh doing all the military stuff uh, but now he's taking on dennis bermudez who has been competing uh will ring rust cage rust be real in this fight or like freddie essential told us at titan when he defeated jay-z cavalcante it is fake it's not real if you come prepared and as the lie says if your preparedness is there there's no ring rest or cage rest no i agree um and every person is different um in many ways you could have someone like there are many different factors that go into it right like if if he's prepared like there's a difference between koreans um not koreans um there's a different who we're talking about now i'm going to brain fart dennis bermudez or Chan Sung Jung, Korean zombie. Yeah, Korean zombie. No, I was like, no, no, Korean zombie. I had a brain fight. Yeah, so the point being with Korean zombie, 
Um, the idea of his layoff, he could have been training, healing the whole time, where there's a difference between that layoff, you know, for the Army, still being prepared, whatever, than Chael Sonnen, who we talked about last time, where aging, coming off all those beautiful Mexican supplements, um, having to, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, being a certain age, there's all those aspects that were against them. Where Korean Zombie, he might have been, he's might as if he's been training this whole time, getting mentally prepared and hungry for this fight that he wanted. Once he finished his, you know, um, duties as a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, duties as a uh, in the military, so rather in the military. Yeah, 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 remember, yeah. he's 29, and exactly. despite the fact that he's been gone for two to three years in his quote-unquote prime, he doesn't have that MMA mileage on him right now. No, nope, it's very true, and uh, I can't remember his last fight off the top of my head. But there's obviously, you know, the the Jose, the Jose. It was, uh, it was Aldo. It was Aldo. Yep, so that might be the best thing for him to heal up mentally and physically. So um, this isn't going to be easy for Dennis Bermudez, but he is a savage in his own right. So it's going to be a good scrap. All right. Before we let you go, anything else you want to say to the fine viewers who are watching right now and those who will be tuning in a little bit later on? Um. Yeah. No, just basically uh, Adelaide Theodoro, the social as always, um, the main event here, the Purplus main event. Boom is getting ready for February 19th, where I am taking on Cesar Ferrer. I might have messed up his name, but it doesn't really matter who I'm fighting. He's a dead man. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The main event. Uh, I'm just a guest, man. It's Elias' show. I'm just a guest. I can't keep <laughs> off with his show. It's the main event. But Elias, as always, thank you very much. Follow him online, at Elias Theodoro. His Twitter is fantastic. His Instagram is absolutely amazing. You can follow yours truly, at Showdown Joe. Tomorrow, I'll be joined once again by likely a human being in Sean Pearson who will probably be cursing uh, a fair amount because he missed last week. He was away with his family uh, at Disney and it rained quite a bit. So look for Sean Pearson to be fairly miserable tomorrow. Until then, I want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, and make sure you do follow us on social media. Ciao for now. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.